I've got to tell you, I really, really laboured over this message this week because I got partway through preparing it and then I uh, thought, jeepers, it's a little bit dark for a baptism service. And I thought, mm, do I, don't I, will I, won't I? Maybe I need to flick it out the door and do another message and do something else. But I felt like the Holy Spirit said, no, hang on a minute. <clears throat> this is what baptism's actually about. <clears throat> this is what Jesus died for, for freedom. He died to set people free from the power of sin and death, amongst other things. And so we're actually in Psalm 46, would you believe? I did a start of you with verse 1 um, at the beginning of, uh, sorry, when I did the tithes and offerings. But I want to just focus right now, drill right down into one verse. In fact, one line from one verse. Psalm 46, verse 10. Be still and know that I am God. I found myself um, fairly busy doing some stuff this week that was to do with compliance and so forth and legal compliance. Uh, anybody here legal, eagle, and loves that stuff? Anybody at all? Georgia Lloyd down there, she, she would, she's a lawyer. She, she. Anyone else? Is that a resounding not interested? Like, yeah. Well, anyway, I was up to my eyeballs and all that stuff and been doing one thing and another and I found the Holy Spirit just said, Bruce, what does it mean to be still? And when was the last time you were still? I mean still, I don't mean just sitting still. Well, that's a good place to start. But when was the last time you were still? I was like, okay. <clears throat> I have private devotional time, usually first thing in the morning when I wake up. It's not lengthy, it's not an hour, it's not even half an hour, probably 10 minutes, 15 minutes max for me. I guess I can see that's kind of a still time, but I'm actually got a purpose for that. I'm reading the Bible and I'm praying. Now I can kind of consciously put some of those activities to aside, um, not to minimise them or to make light of them, but... I felt like God just got a hold of me and said, Bruce, you've got to learn again. I want you to keep practicing the skill of being still. Because we live in a crazy world, don't we? Everything is going at 100 miles an hour. Well, let me say that again, 160 kilometres per hour. Um, <clears throat> or faster. Life's crazy. There's new technology. There's new this. There's new protests. There's new research. There's new... I mean, the number of different kinds of diets, which they're not lifestyle changes you can make around food, for example, at the moment is like off the blinking charts. It's like, it's like, oh my gosh, what happened to just a nice big fat, one and a half inch thick Scotch fillet steak smothered in garlic prawns with a side of fries and other stuff that's really good for you. Now, I'm not having a crack at anybody who's got a medical requirements to watch what they're eating or even self-motivated um, desire to live well. That's, that's not the point of what I'm saying. My point is this, that we have got so much information about so many arenas of life that it is, in some respects, difficult to be still. Now, don't put your hands up because I don't want to embarrass anybody, but I'll put mine up. Who has... A smartphone, 
that they actually have on charge next to their bed. Ooh, yep. Who doesn't just let it charge, but actually looks at their smartphone, either last thing, don't put your hands up for this, or first thing in the morning? Oh, yep, some very brave souls ago. My point in asking that question is not to be judgmental to anybody, but my point is to say this, there is so much ability to not be still. There's so much pressure, and it is a pressure, to know stuff, to know the news, to know the latest crazy thing that Trump's done, to know, to know the, and he's just one of many, um, it's just that he gets a lot of airplay. You know, our media likes to give us the latest thing that our Prime Minister's done. And they pick on him. It's like Paris the thought of being in the public arena in this day and age. It is probably much like when Jesus was around, so nothing's changed. Fickle. You know, journey into Jerusalem on donkey, palm leaves, cloaks on the ground. Hallelujah, Jesus has come, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. A week later, they're all screaming abuse and spitting at him as he's nailed to a cross to die. Like, sounds like politics. <laughs> Be still and know that I'm God. How still are you? Or can you even be still? This is my question. Because the Bible's not saying, you know, when everything's good, be still. This chapter is about warfare. This chapter is about turbulence. This, this, this chapter is about the... The mountains quaking and the seas roaring and, and armies get gathering up. And he's, God's saying this, in the middle of all that stuff, the key. Say the key. The key. The key. Say the key. the key. Is to learn how to be still. Being still requires trust. It requires that I trust. In fact, um, the start of this particular chapter, one I did read for my tithes, I said to you before, God is our refuge and strength is a statement of trust. It starts with a statement of trust and it finishes down here in these verses 10 and 11 with a different way of stating the same topic, be still and know that I'm God. So, haven't got heavy yet, okay? But i just got some statistics for you which can be a little bit and if you're suffering from depression, anxiety or stress this morning, I wanna say this message has got good news for you because God is a God who heals. God is a God who can bring people out of darkness into light. God is the God who can actually fix the chemistry of the brain if it's a, if it's a clinical depression issue that you've got in your life. God is a miracle-working God. The darkest days you've lived can finish today. The most challenging medical condition you could possibly have can finish today or it can have a massive shift today. It's like um, just got to learn how to be still as a starting point. So one of the great challenges of our time is the impact of depression, anxiety and stress. I found this study online from a firm called uh, Medibio who did a research in the workplace particularly and this was uh, reported on about 12 months ago. Um, a large study into the mental health of corporate Australia shows almost one third suffering from some form of mental illness. Of those, 36% were suffering from depression, 33 from anxiety and 31 from stress. A decade ago, only one in five Australians were found to be suffering from mental illness. Mental illness appears to have increased by at least a third over the last decade. The program survey 
found most people didn't even realise they had a mental health disorder. Three quarters of the men, 73%, who scored in the clinical ranges for mental health disorders were unaware they had one at the time of the survey. So this is the depressing part of the message. We'll get through this and then we'll get into the stories that are, um, and the facts about what can change. Where do these things come from? Well, I want to put it to you that part of my thesis, part of my argument this morning is this incredible lack of being still. Space. The song we just sang, actually, I just want to um, make a theological reflection on that song so that anybody who's a theological thinker here um, can just think this through as well. It talks about God never stops working. And I want to say the anointing, the river, the presence of God, the working power of God is never stops working. But I don't think it's consistent with Scripture to say that God never stops working because that's some of our problem. We never stop working. We feel guilty having a day off. We can feel guilty sitting in church for two hours. If you're thinking of something to do this afternoon right now, that's our problem. If you're thinking about what you should have done this morning before you got to church, that's our problem. Our heads are filled with, we never stop working, never stop working. I get the sentiment of the song is that God's not having a day off with regards to looking out for you. But I don't think it's healthy for us to think God never stops working, so nor can I. You were made for a day of rest, a Sabbath, a day, whether it's a day or a week, one, some churches I know of and some organisations that are not churches even have built into their staff health and well-being a sabbatical kind of cycle of things in sevenths. So you might work for six months and have a month off a year. So you get two lots of four weeks off a year. It's, a sabbat- it's like leave and sabbatical maybe. It's just this sense of knowing that you and I, Josh, need a rest. Some of us, like Kirby was telling me, she's got aches and pains all over today from working at the working bee yesterday. I've realised at 61, working for a whole day in the garden definitely comes with a price. It's called the next day. It's like, oh, it's like, oh. I couldn't even lift my toolbox out of the back of the car last night because I had this rotational, whatever that was. So I went home and slapped the Voltaren on there and it's like, it's a lot better this morning, which is a good thing, right? What am I saying? The greatest way to stop that stuff sorry, to encourage that kind of thing to get better, is what? Resting. I love codrill, coal and flu tablets. I'm not addicted to them, by the way. I'm just... (laughs) But you know the little, there was a song they advertised, advertising them years ago, Soldier On. So you just drug up and keep running. It's like... The idea that you might need to take three or four days off work called rest is like, oh, I can't afford to do that. I can't afford to have a rest. If you're a self-employed here, you've got every reason under the sun not to have a rest. But I've got to tell you, you're killing yourself because you were made to rest. Be still. Anyone say amen to that? Be still and know. So my argument this morning is this, because we've lost 
sight of the wisdom of resting, the wisdom of being still. And being still with a purpose. It's not just, oh, I'm living for my holidays. I have four weeks off a year. I work like really hard for 11 months and then I just go, I go hard for 11 months and then I'm in, it's my four weeks off. We've had people through the life of this church over 25 years, 24 years that I know. Uh, I can think of a few faces I'm thinking of to say this. They live for their holidays. They worked hard. They loved their job, but they loved their holidays better. It was like the holidays is the go. And I'm not saying to have a holiday only. I'm saying to be still. Because some people go on holidays and they're busier than they are at work. They never stop. They go on hiking, they go on here, they're doing that. Oh, we went abseiling, we went parasailing, we went jet skiing, we went, we did hang gliding, we did everything. It's like, wow, you must have had a great time here. We flew from here, we flew there, we did this, we did that, we saw everything. Oh, I'm worn out. Come back to work and out of their mouth comes, I think I need another holiday. It's like, what are we doing? Be still on purpose. You don't have to have a holiday to be still. But I want to ask you, is there a still space in your week? Is there an hour or half a day or 30 minutes a day or is only 30 minutes a week where you're still? Because I would want to say to you, one of the ways to minimise the mental health-related issues that I've mentioned here, depression, anxiety and stress, a key is learning how to rest intentionally. Um, I'm just, I'm not really a depressive person, but I've worked out, I was lying in bed last night thinking... I can be, I'm not obsessive compulsive, but I've decided I'm a compulsive person. I've got compulsive tendencies because I, I was lying there last night and we put some new drains out the back of the church yesterday. It was my project. And I was lying in bed last night and ran and round 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 in my head was me looking at the plumbing I put together. And I'm thinking, can't I think of something else? Oh. Spend all day doing it. I don't need to lie in bed at night having visions of those plastic bits of pipe going like a movie going. Does anybody else have those problems? Give me a wave. Oh, thank the Lord for that. I'm not, not going crazy. But I started to meditate and thinking in the middle of that craziness while I couldn't sleep, I was thinking, I've got to learn how to be still. So I actually consciously thought of the cross consciously thought of Jesus dying. I consciously thought of the price that was paid by him for me to know what it is to be free. And I found that that little bit of space, and next thing I knew, it was morning. My mind, I'd actually learn how to be still. The Bible's a great way to learn to be still. If you wake up in the middle of the night, if you're a person who suffers a little bit of insomnia for one reason or another, this is one good reason to keep your device by your bed. The only good reason, okay? Yeah. Maybe, as, and as considerate, because if you've got a paper version, you've got to put the lights on, and if you're a married person, that can disturb your partner. And If you're not married, it doesn't matter, so it's all good. Um, just what I'm going to say is read your Bible. Get something out that just feeds your heart, feeds your soul. 
tells you something different. If you're thinking about plastic pipes and you don't want to be thinking about them anymore, just read your Bible for a bit. If you're thinking about the day you had, maybe you had a conversation at work this week that was toxic. Maybe someone shattered a beauty. Maybe somebody gave you hand gestures on the freeway because you were minding your own business and just in your own little world and they got a bit cranky with you and you got abused. Maybe someone bailed you up in the car park and gave you a mouthful of abuse. It's like, what do I do with that? If it's going around on our head, the Bible says it's for freedom that Christ set me free. You've got authority and the means to stop it. Well, you don't know me. No, no, I don't need to know you. I know what God says. Because the second part of this verse is also a key. You can't have one half without the other. Be still and know that I'm God. Know that I'm God. What does that actually mean? I think it basically means know that he's God. Um, But that's not knowing about God. That's not about getting an encyclopedia or a Bible commentary out and learning about God. Lots of people know about God. Atheists know about God. Knowing about God in our head is not what this is saying. Old Testament language of knowing in certain other parts of the texts has this picture of knowing as relating to. So back in the authorised version of the Bible, Adam and Eve... It said, Adam knew his wife and she became pregnant. The word knew there clearly means very intimate relationship. Knowing God is not about having head knowledge about God. It's about being intimately connected to him. So the being still and know that I am God are intrinsically linked. I don't think it's possible to be still without knowing him. You can quieten things down maybe, but if you really want to be still in amongst the storms of your life, and I don't know what your storms are. Maybe you're in a season of calm at the moment, but I guarantee that you've been through some storms if you're not in one at the moment. And if you are in a place of calm and never had a stormy day, just hang around long enough, something will turn up. My point is that God wants you to to learn, he wants me to learn, he wants us to learn how to trust him. The people who got baptised this morning have put their trust in God. They stood in front of us and said, I'm I'm for him. I trust God. How good a news is that? How fantastic is it to see people in the 21st century still standing up in the public space and saying, I have put my allegiance and faith in Jesus Christ, the son of the living God. My prayer for all five of them this morning is that they will know from this message how to be still and to know him. Not, Not to know just that he is God, that's a knowledge issue. The scripture's a little bit ambiguous, I think always deliberately, so that we'll we'll think. I love the fact, it's ambiguous, isn't it, Tim? It is, yes, speak up, Tim. Yes, it's very ambiguous, (laughs) deliberately. Tim Scott is uh, a legend in our church. He's a, a Bible reader, a Bible researcher. He's led some great study material for our teaching teams here and uh Tim's always a good guy to chew on. If you want to know something about the Bible, if he doesn't know about it, he'll find out. He's the kind of guy, he's a scientist. He he loves looking into facts and information. And if you've got any big, deep questions, don't come and see me. Go and see Tim. (laughs) No, only joking. It's all right. I I can handle it. So um, so I just, uh, I picked on one of these. um, Depression. Um, Now, there's lots of, 
types of depression uh, with lots of different causal issues behind them. Um, I guess I'd want to say to you, uh, in the context of this message, not wanting to make light of or simplify what might be an extremely complicated season in your life. But what I want to do say is this, that God is bigger than it. Hear that again, God is bigger than it. That's not to say that your problem, if you've got one, isn't big. It's just you've got to get some perspective at every turn, whatever the giant is, whatever the Goliath in your life that's screaming at you this morning, you've got a God standing alongside you because we're still and we know him, right? Yeah. We're still and we know him. You're going to say, yes, that's me. I want to get an attitude on the inside. I do know him. Uh, so one of the... Uh, and the uh, the Black Dog Institute's website was where I kind of picked up some of this particular little bit of information about depression. But one of the more, let's just say, generic uh, manifestations of depression revolves around the issue of loss, revolves around the issue of self-esteem and triggers things that have happened. For most adults, self-esteem is closely linked to an intimate relationship as well as other important areas, such as your job. So common triggers of depression, this is the Black Dog Institute's research, is the breakup of a relationship. It could be a divorce if it's gotten that um, complicated. It could be losing a job. It could be a tragic accident. The shame due to not living up to your own or someone else's expectations. There's all sorts of contexts where we can start to internalise and then begin to lose sight of how good God is. We can start to, as I said, as I started out, our confession changes. And your confession is gold. Let me look at around the room. The confession, the thing that's coming out of your mouth this week is plotting the course for next week. Or maybe longer. So choose your words carefully. So regardless of the cause, regardless of how severe it is, and as I said, I don't want to make light of a severe scenario if you've got one happening at the moment, my question is, what's going on? My question stands, why does it seem there is an increase in this type of impairment to a great life? Further observation is, being someone who has professed faith in Christ doesn't make one immune to these areas of mental health, uh, mental health issues. So what is this about? I want to go back to where I started and I want to finish with these thoughts. God is our refuge and strength. I don't know about you, but I, I find myself, maybe it's just a, fu a function of getting older, don't know that it is, I've kind of always thought like this, but I've really got to meditate on a scripture like that to let it sink into this thick noggin and hard heart. Because when I find myself threatened, when I find myself feeling insecure, when I find myself being less than happy with circumstance or self, I can lose sight of that scripture. No, God is the one I trust. I've made light of my aversion to queues at the airport over the years from this pulpit. I mean, honestly, I go, have you ever missed the plane? No, almost, but never. Would you say when you're in that zone of being a bit amped up at the airport that you're trusting God? 
Not a snowball's chance and you know where. I've gone off on this tangent of worry. I go off on this dead-end street of what if. Nothing wrong with asking what if as long as I've got my feet firmly planted on. God's got this. What do you need to stand firmly on this morning and, de- and declare, God's got this? It's for freedom that Christ set me free. God's my refuge and strength. Be still, Bruce Williams, and know that I'm God, Bruce Williams. Are you listening, Bruce? Be still and know that I'm God. I can't going to stand on that. I want to ask you to stand on your feet right now. I'm standing, so you may as well join me. So Psalm Psalm 46 is a fabulous, fabulous chapter to demonstrate how the Christian journey works. States a fact at the beginning. God is our refuge and strength and invites a decision. So the fact is God is trustworthy. God is who God says He is. That's not open for you and I to have an argument about. We can argue. You're not going to get a lightning bolt from heaven if you do argue, but you're arguing for a point that you can't win. No matter how smart you are, God is real. God loves you. God forgives. God paved a way through His Son, Jesus Christ, on the cross. Your sin has been forgiven. You are able to live in freedom. Oh, I don't ever, I have never felt that. Well, that doesn't mean it doesn't exist. It just means you haven't actually stood in that just yet. But you can. Nobody here has got any more right than anyone else to step into the love of God. He's opened the door and says, Come on in, step into my kingdom. Anyone want to do that this morning? You can. It's really not that hard to do, although it could be impossible. Because it takes faith. Faith's not mental assent. Faith isn't, I'm trying really hard to believe what the pastor's saying right now. I'm trying really hard to think. No, faith is just this knowing. He's real. You can't confuse me any other way. He's real. I'm stepping in that. And I'm standing on that. He's my refuge and my strength. And I'm going to go home today. And I'm going to be still and I'm going to know that He is God. You can do that too. So I just want to invite you to close your eyes this morning. Let me state this fact again. God is our refuge and strength. Let me restate the decision that's right in front of all of us this morning. Make a decision to be still and to know. Maybe some stormy waters need to be calmed for you this morning. If you're a Christ follower already, maybe you are in a journey of discovering God's healing power to do with depression, anxiety or stress. Maybe you're being very carefully looked after and professionally looked after by a mental health professional. Don't stop that. That's a very wise thing to do. Whatever that looks like for you, 
let me say this. There is absolutely no reason at all for you to not ramp up the decision to be still and to know God. So I'm going to give you a little bit of heads up. This day and age, if you or someone you love suffers from depression, anxiety or stress, be active in getting help. Don't ever feel ashamed or embarrassed. That is definitely part of the issue of getting the help we need. I'm talking about it from the pulpit this morning because I don't want it to be, we never talk about this topic in church. It's a real topic and it's wrecking lives in our nation as I speak. God's interested. We should be interested. We need to help each other. So, starting point. I say this carefully. At the very least, there are actually many credible online resources that can help you ask questions, maybe even assess for yourself kind of confidentially on that format where it's at. You want to make sure you choose a reputable website to do that. My point is this. If there is an indication that you've got some, let's just say, higher than normal arenas of depression, anxiety or stress, get some help. Trusted friends and family are another to provide feedback on what they see. For example, have you ever invited comment or feedback from a mature, trusted friend on what they see in you? That's what a community does. It's not judgmental community, it's loving community. The community says, are you okay? I heard a great song on the radio on Friday. Having said that, it's okay to not be okay. That's a great song. Because it's good to ask, are you okay? But I don't ask it to intimidate you to say, yeah, I'm fine, when you're not. It is okay to not be okay. And I want to say loudly, in this church, it's okay to not be okay. We love you. God loves you. And we want to help each other to live in victory and freedom from depression, anxiety and stress. First, Port a call at a professional healthcare level is your local GP. Go and see your, your local doctor and put your cards on the table. Say, this is what's been going on in my life. Tell them the whole lot. And let them help map out a plan for you to get the professional help you need. Alongside that, there is the journey with God. Alongside that is the journey of faith in a community like this, where we can love each other, encourage each other, and help pat each other on the back and say, come on, you're doing great. Man, I can see some changes happening. Dark clouds have come off your life. Whatever it might be, be the person who conveys good news to people. Be still and know that I'm God. He's still wanting you to get that, right? All right, that's plenty of message. Let me pray. I just want to invite you to close your eyes where you're standing for a moment. Get a picture of yourself. Right now, Heavenly Father, I pray that each one of us in this meeting would have a moment of being still. Lord, if there are motion pictures going on in our minds right now, I pray that they would stop for a moment. And there'd just be this incredible God-given sense of calm resting on every person. In fact, in faith, Father, right now, I pray that your peace that transcends all understanding would settle on our congregation here right now in Jesus' name. 
peace of God. Be still and know that I'm God. I don't know what God looks like to you, what you think of when you think of God, whether he's near or far, but I want you to think about your connection to him. How close to God are you walking? Maybe you don't know him at all at the moment. You wouldn't call yourself a Christian. I want to tell you right now, you're in a safe place to have a think about what that might mean. Because right now the Holy Spirit is here inviting you and me to come close to him. You can invite Jesus into your life here this morning, right now, in the next few minutes. We can lead you in a prayer. We can say a prayer together that acknowledges out of your mouth that Jesus is the Son of the living God who died on a cross for your sin and for mine, that we would know freedom, joy, and eternal life. You can say those words as a prayer for the very first time, or maybe you're coming back to God because you've been a long way off. A bit like um, part of Samuel's testimony, he lost his way after being a teenager. He's come back to God, got baptised because he's dead set serious in his love for God. Maybe you've wandered off track and you need to come back as well. So if you've never invited Christ into your life or you have at some point in the past but you know you've got off the rails and you need to come back to him, I'd love you to slip your hand up and say, Bruce, that is me. I want to give my life to Christ recommit my life with him this morning I really don't know what it means to be still but I want to learn I don't really know what it means to know God but I want to know I want to know him if that's you for the next 5-10 seconds I'm just going to linger in this moment you've got a decision to make give me a wave with your hand so I can see it thank you Father Almighty God we thank you for our baptism service this morning. Again, we do pray, Lord, your blessing over every person that got baptised. Pray for the family and the visitors and friends that have come today to this special service. Pray, Father, that you watch over us as we share over lunch in a few minutes' time. We give you thanks for the food and the people who've been working behind the scenes to put that together for us. We thank you, Lord, for that and for them in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.